1989, all your base belonged to us. Robin Williams taught us to seize the day in Dead Poet Society, and the box office was seized by a flying rodent and a man in purple not named Prince. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need... The need for speed. It's beast. We can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Last Action Podcast. I am Sphinx, and I have over here the one, the only, L.P.J. What's up? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we get into our film for today, I have one question to ask you. Yes, sir. Have you ever danced with the devil by the pale moonlight? <laughs> Once. Once? Yeah. I always ask that of all my prey. Oh. I just like the sound of it. <laughs> it is the one, the only Batman from 1989 that we are doing for today's episode. So... I, I really hope that people knew that quote that I threw out there, but, you know. I would imagine. I would say it's one of the more famous quotes from any movie, let alone this movie. Right? I find myself saying it actually quite often because I'm a weird person like that. That is very strange. But um, I'm pretty sure most of my friends can probably vouch for me that I have probably said that to them at one point. Oh, I thought they so, vouch that you were a weirdo. Well, they can vouch for that, too, yeah. but nonetheless. So... Uh, we've got Batman. Came out in June of 1989. Definitely the summer blockbuster for this film. Um, when this movie came out, uh, I was three years old. So I find this kind of crazy because I definitely remember seeing this movie. Um, I was probably four, I would guess, but I might have actually been right around three or so. Um, it is my introduction to superheroes, comic books, all of that in general. So it definitely has a huge impact on my childhood. I would probably even say it's probably my earliest memory of any action movie I ever saw. Now, really? LPJ, yeah. So LPJ, though, you are a little bit older. So, yeah. I mean, what's your feel on this? There wasn't... I was nine. I don't remember the hype behind this movie coming out for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. We had, we had recently... We'd only been, we, we had moved to Livonia um, in 1988. So this was really, and it was, the, so this was the first summer we were actually at our house. Okay. And I remember standing in my kitchen and our neighbor coming over saying, hey, you want to go see Batman? You know, and my mom's saying, yeah, you should go see Batman. So we went to an afternoon screening of Batman. Uh, it, when this came out, yeah. I would say it was probably right around the, when it first came out. So in 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 June, June or I would July. imagine, yeah, June or July, I'd imagine. And I remember seeing it. I remember loving the movie. You know, I'd never really seen a superhero movie before, and this was, it was fantastic. Like I loved everything. And then obviously it was huge after that. Yeah, Batmania they called it. Yeah. So it's interesting because I love this story and I love sharing this story. So. I was being potty trained. You know, I was three, four years old when this movie came out. So my parents, as an incentive to get me to go to the bathroom, if I went pee, 
I got the Joker action figure. <laughs> and if I pooped, I got Batman. That is pretty great. Right? That's weird. But so it's, great. it's weird, but it definitely worked. But guess which one I did first? <laughs> did you get did you get Batman? I did not. I got the Joker first. Oh. Which I feel like isn't that how that usually happens when you potty train? I feel like my with my own son, he went pee first in the toilet. But I got Joker. Well, good good for you. Yeah. And then it, it took me a little while, but mm-hmm. then I eventually got Batman. And then like it was complete. So but I do have a jerk older brother. And yeah. you know what my older brother did to my Batman? Did he poop on it? That's disgusting. <laughs> why why was that the first thing you thought of? I have no idea. Jeez. That just like went full one hundred there. Why would he shit on my Batman? What did he do, Nick? He ripped the ears right off of it. Could you? Yes. So, I mean, you know, Batman, he's got pointy ears. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how he did it. He ripped the ears off. Those so, were, as far as I remember, the action figures were pretty solid. They were, but he did it. So, he had like, <laughs> my Batman had no pointy ears. Instead, it was like a, you know, like a pinkish color, because that was the color of the plastic, obviously, originally. Yeah. And so, my Batman was always without pointy ears. Hmm. How much older is he? He's four years older. Okay. So, he would have been six, seven, eight. So, he went to the movie with you? So, okay, so I don't remember actually going to the movie. I was sure. only three. Right. But I, my dad, like, recorded it, like, on TV. Oh, okay. So, or pay-per-view. My dad was a pay-per-view guy. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it was probably later in 1989 that I finally saw it. Okay. But it wasn't in the theater. So, yeah, my jerk brother ruined my Batman. And I just remember, like, because I had that Batman forever because they were awesome action figures. They were really good. There was a lot of them, too. Well... Actually, I found out there was only Joker, Batman, and Bob. Those were the only action figures that came out from the entire thing. No, there had to have been more than that. I looked it up. They didn't have anyone else. Those were the only three action figures that they made for this movie, which I feel like Bob is an interesting third choice. It is. So wait a minute. Did they? So I, I remember. I remember Chops having lots and lots of Batman. I didn't have a ton. Well, it might have been like other things. Might have you been know, from Batman, Batman became huge. Yeah, it might have been Batman Returns. Because for this Batman movie, it made seven hundred and fifty million in merchandise before the movie came out. That is crazy. Isn't that nuts? Like that's wow. that Batmania. I don't. Then I don't understand why I don't remember it being as big as it was before the movie came out. I don't know. I mean, I had I had the Batwing. I had the Batmobile. Like I had all of it. Yeah. So I don't remember. I remember if, the Batwing. I don't remember what I had to do exactly to get the Batmobile and the Batwing. Sure. But I don't. I didn't have to pee or poop well, in that's the toilet. Good to know. So nonetheless. All right. So it is a movie. It sounds like that both and both of us are very very familiar with. Oh yes, very much so. So we've got Tim Burton as our director. Yep. Uh, he is right off of Beetlejuice. Um, and then he had Pee-wee's Big Adventure a couple years before that, too. Yeah. Well, this movie didn't get greenlit until Beetlejuice was a hit. Exactly. And it's also interesting, too, though, because people were really concerned with Tim Burton taking this on. Yeah. Because, I mean, Beetlejuice and, and Pee-wee, those are comedies. Yeah. And you still have fresh in people's mind the 1960s Batman series. That's Which right. is very campy and funny and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of people... Thought well, that's where Tim Burton's going to take this because sure, this is the first, this is the first adaptation of Batman since the 1960s. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're right. It sounds like um, he was signed back in '86 to do the movie, but didn't get the green light until after Beetle, Beetlejuice had that success. Right. Well, this movie was in development since 1979 when Superman was, uh, when the second Superman movie came out. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's uh, Sam Hamm that ends up being the writer. Um, from the beginning, though, he did want it to be a darker movie. Yep. So he did not want to make it more of that kind of campy, you know, funny, bam, pow type of stuff that you saw um, in the movie th- or in the TV show. Nonetheless, uh, the studios, at least the studios that were looking into, you know, taking on this movie, mm-hmm. did kind of want that. So at one point, Bill Murray was actually considered to play Batman. Yeah, Ivan Reitman was going to direct and write it, yep. and Bill Murray was going to be the star of it. And Eddie Murphy was thought of to be Robin. Which is craziness. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're thinking of, you know, you got the SNL cast from the late 70s, early 80s, which obviously they're, they're in a great position, you know, in this time frame. But man, would that have made this movie so, so different. It would have been terrible. It would have been awful. Because like, those two have never done a movie together from what I know. I don't think so, yeah. Yeah. So, nonetheless, um, Ham, as the movie actually goes on, uh, Ham kind of gets phased out. Apparently, there's like a writer's strike that yeah, goes on. The, yeah, the, the one, yeah, there was a writer's, writer's guild strike um, around that time. So, a lot of rewrites were going on without Ham's approval, and he ended up being really upset. Because, as I mentioned with Eddie Murphy, there was uh, a Robin story originally tied into this film. Mm-hmm. Gets originally gotten rid of um the original script also which i find interesting has joker killing vicky vale well yes so that whole thing i, I watched the movie with the commentary on. yeah and the entire ending of the movie so the movie is already over budget yep john peters is the producer of this film john peters went behind tim burton's back and had the entire ending rewritten and had the set designer um, he gave the set designer $100,000 to design this cathedral. Yep. And then never really put, in, put a, new, a new ending on. He just kind of eliminated Vicki Vale getting killed. And so the big story is uh, Tim, uh, um, Kim Basinger and Jack Nicholson are walking up these stairs and he turns to Tim Burton and says... Why are we walking up these stairs? And Tim Burton's response is, I'll let you know when you get up there. Because <laughs> he had no idea. They hadn't written yeah. the ending yet because it was just sprung on him. Yeah, Burton was clueless on how this movie was going to end at this point. He didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. Yeah. Very. Um, and this yeah. is John Peter's history. So I'll let you keep going. No, all right. All right. So, I mean, that really is all that I had on, on Sam Hamm. I mean, he just, the entire ending was rewritten from what he originally wanted. He didn't, didn't like it. So it sounds like, yeah, Peters kind of takes over on this. Um, so we also have Peter Goober, uh, that is the other producer in this film, uh, who is a huge name. So right after Batman comes out, he becomes CEO of Columbia Pictures. Correct. Um, which then becomes Sony Pictures. Yep. So he's got huge movies under his belt uh, moving forward after Batman. You got Terminator 2, City Slickers, Few Good Men, League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, and then like he's big onto the TV shows as well. Seinfeld is Sony, Mad About You, Married with Children. He ends up owning Dick Clark Productions as well. So the Rock and Eve, all that kind of stuff, all these award shows that are on TV is all under him as well. Uh, he's currently part owner of the Dodgers and the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. So this dude is a huge name, makes a ton of money, really big deal. And Batman was really one of those films that, that kind of jump-started his career overall. Mm-hmm. So do you have any more on John Peters? I have lots on John Peters. John Peters John Peters was the hairdresser for Barbara Streisand. 
<laughs> That's how we started. Everyone's got to start somewhere, right? Right. So he made a wig for her for one of her movies and then produced a couple of her movies. What and then movies did Barbara Streisand do in the beginning, like early on? She's done a lot of movies. Has she really? Oh, yeah. I just know she's a Fokker. Yeah, no, she did a lot of movies. Oh. <clears throat> I'm not going to get into Barbara Streisand's filmography <laughs> no, right no, now. You don't, think, you don't about. think that's what people want to listen to, is Barbara Streisand? I would imagine not. So, right. so John Peters comes in, and, and, and this is his like first big his first big like production. Uh, and he has a tendency to kind of go hands-on with everything, Okay, which Tim Burton was definitely not a fan of. Obviously, the ending getting rewritten uh, is a is a good example of that. Um, now, John Peters, after the success of this movie, went on to try and reboot Superman, and it was a movie called Superman Lives, starring they, they somehow convinced Tim Burton to direct that as well. Okay, with Nicolas Cage starring as Superman. Oh God. Right. However, <laughs> Nicolas Cage was all about this. He was all in, and he actually seemed like he wasn't going to be too bad. Well, who wouldn't want to be Superman? That's True. an awesome role. Well, it is and it isn't. Um, well, yeah, history has kind of shown us that. So there's a whole documentary called The Death of Superman Lives. I would recommend taking a look at that. Uh, it's basically all about how this movie never came to fruition after it being in development, and they had they had costumes done, they had scripts done, they had it getting ready to be filmed, and then a month before filming, they pulled the plug on everything. Wow. Yeah. What um what year time frame are we talking here? Like is this like early nineties, late nineties? This is like like right after Batman? Right after Batman. So do you know is Batman returns in the picture yet or no? Uh I think Oh, that's a great question. I think it was after it had to have been after Batman returns because okay. Kevin Smith wrote the script for the Superman movie. Interesting. Yeah, and then um, that's actually where a lot of this information comes from is Kevin Smith uh, is on record in various places talking about, he's actually in the documentary as well, talking about his experience writing this movie. And at one point, John Peters didn't want Superman to fly. He didn't want him in his normal costume. He didn't want... What? He wanted him to fight polar bears and hell? a giant spider. I would have pulled this movie too. Right. So Kevin Smith added the spiders in there, went back to <laughs> Sony and said, look, here's what he wants to do. And Sony's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. John Peters later went on to produce a film called Wild Wild West. Yes, in which he the did. main character at the end fights a giant mechanical spider. Hey, at least he got what he wanted in the end. Just Clearly wrong movie. Right. And Will Smith's probably like, dude, I'm making money so bad. Sure, I'll fight a spider at the end of the movie. Yep. Bring it on. Wild Wild West. That's my, that was my Will Smith impression. Did you like it? Uh, I've heard it before. That's true. You actually have. Yes. So that's that's John Peters. John Peters has a tendency to be a ruiner of films. Well, he's a ruiner of his own life, too, because um, do you hear how he got in big trouble with sexual harassment? Yes, very much so. Yeah, so I think it was Superman <laughs> Returns. So he also gets his wish and does Superman movies down the road. Yes. He just does ones that aren't very good. Uh, he had to pay out $3 million in a sexual harassment suit, and kind of since then, he's disappeared. So obviously right now and what's going on in Hollywood with all that, Me Too movement and all that, yep. he's probably not going to be showing up anytime soon. Correct. So when it comes to music with Batman, I mean, there's a lot to say here. You know, first off, we've got Danny Elfman, 
um, who's doing the soundtrack. Um, obviously, he's got a working relationship with Tim Burton. He's done several of his movies, uh, including Beetlejuice, Pee Wee, um, Big Adventure, uh, later on, Nightmare Before Christmas, Charlie and Ch- Chocolate Factory, all that stuff. Do you know how that whole thing started with Danny Elfman? and The relationship? Yeah. No, I do not. Well, I know that. I mean, Elfman's part of Oingo Boingo or whatever. Oingo was, Boingo, yeah. Yeah, is he like a was Tim Burton a huge fan of that? Yeah, Tim Burton was a fan of Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Contacted Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman wrote the music for it, and then he actually had the guitarist and the drummer from Oingo Boingo play uh, music for the movie here as well. Oh, that's awesome! Mm-hmm. All right, I like that. Uh, the main theme, you know, the famous Batman theme here. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think LPJ actually has a little clip of that. So let's let's give a quick listen to that first before I say something about it. Very iconic. I love it. Seriously, I, I think I need to see this again. That 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 really got me like pumped up for Batman. I love that theme. I do too. So good. It actually won uh, Danny Elfman a Grammy Award. A Grammy? A Grammy. Wow, not an Oscar. Not an Oscar, but a Grammy. Um, so for that particular song, the main theme, he wins a Grammy. And it just, you know, the, the song just fits Elfman so much. The kind of spooky sound you get in the introduction. You know, Elfman's famous with these are arpeggios where like the strings and the woodwinds just go like like he does that in all of his kind of soundtrack stuff that he does um he just i think that this is totally what makes this movie so great as well as the sound that elfman brings into it throughout the film it's another character without a doubt Mm -hmm. It, 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 it absolutely um um creates the atmosphere of the movie itself and um and really i mean it it is its own character yeah and that's, I mean, yeah, it's fabulous. And in addition to that, I mean, we have a soundtrack on top of the score. And the soundtrack's done by the man in purple himself, not the Joker. No, not the Joker. Prince. So you've got this soundtrack by Prince. He's got, I think it's like nine songs he ends up doing uh, for the film. I don't yeah. think they all get used throughout the movie, but quite a few of them do. You can sometimes hear them as background music. There were three. There were three songs that got used in the movie itself, and then he did the entire. He did an entire soundtrack for it. Yeah. So I think "Trust" is one of the songs yep. where uh, Joker is is on the birthday cake during the parade. Yep. Uh, Party Man when he's going through the museum. Yep. A um, couple others I think are, are mm-hmm. throughout the film yep. too. Um, Burton actually wasn't. In love with this, he, he had no idea. He had no idea what was happening. Prince didn't get involved until after production was halfway through. Yeah, and and Burton didn't think that this fit into his film at all. No, which kind of looking back on it, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, obviously we weren't in the process of making this movie, but 
it's tough to say. Like, I feel like it does kind of fit into the film because Prince is kind of that off the wall guy, too. And the movie is, you know, kind of has some of those irregularities, odd, oddities to it. Well, I don't know. I think it does work. I, it does because um, Tim Burton made it work. He when so what happened? This is another another uh, John Peters thing. John Peters brought in Prince. Prince had approached him, uh, had heard the movie was being filmed, and had approached him about doing a soundtrack for it. And um, um, so John Peters forced Tim Burton to use this. So Tim Burton decided to make this the voice of the Joker. Yeah. So he basically does it anytime he can when the Joker's just kind of um, exerting his will upon his environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I think it works great. I mean, there was a famous music video uh, that Prince did where he's dressed as the Joker. Yep. Um, so it was definitely, you know, Prince in the 80s. I mean, he's he's top of his game. So it definitely makes sense. I had this soundtrack, or at least my dad did. The Prince soundtrack? Oh, yeah. I listened to it all the time when I was a kid. I'll put a little bit on for you. All right, here we go. Ready? watching this music video right now and there's some woman in a fish tank it looks like what what is going on there lpj oh now he just poured something on her i think it was alcohol but but she's like swimming and he didn't really wow i don't know anyway you always know it's prince it's that percussion that he uses yeah you know it's it's he's always so recognizable uh when it's a prince song i mean obviously his voice and all that too but that background percussion, that, that is definitely Prince without a doubt. Absolutely. So let, let's get into the synopsis here um, really briefly because I think that most of our listeners here are going to know what actually is happening in this movie. And realistically, not a lot happens in this movie. No, not really, which, which after watching it again uh, kind of surprised me a little bit with what's going on here. But, you know, it's, it's being set up as the early beginnings of Bruce Wayne as the masked vigilante himself. Um, Gotham's got a big crime problem. City is run pretty much by mob boss Carl Grissom. Um, the mayor, though, wants to have a, a big birthday celebration. I believe it's Gotham's 200th birthday that's coming up. So he's trying to, you know, bring energy and business back into the city. There's a new district attorney, Harvey Dent, which should be a name that Batman people are familiar with. He's starting to crack down on boss Grissom. Um, but his number one guy, Jack Napier, uh, ends up getting set up by the crime boss to rob their own facility, which is Access Chemicals. Um, but why does he set him up? Well, he sets him up because Jack Napier is sleeping with the boss's girlfriend, wife, 
I don't know uh-huh. if it really says which one it is. But, yeah. Don't mess with the boss, man. Especially the, the mob boss. Pop quiz, hot shot. Uh-oh. We got a pop quiz for you. All right, what do you so got? So who is the mob boss's girlfriend? Is it going to be Harley Quinn? Mm-mm, no, it's it's the actress. It's oh, Ju- the actress? Jerry Hall. Yeah, Jerry Hall, okay. Famous model. Okay. Jerry is, is a boy, boy name, I thought. Who was she married to for a very long time? Oh, God. Not a very long time, but a long time. This is a hell of a pop quiz. I, I couldn't, I mean, I could John Travolta, oh. Jack Nicholson. No. Famous musician. Prince. No, not. <laughs> no. You got to help me out here, Lead man. singer of the Rolling Stones. Mick Jagger? Mick Jagger. She has four children with Mick Jagger. Really? They got divorced in 99. Now who do you think she's married to? Is it another musician? Nope. I was going to say like Keith Richards. Rupert Murdoch. That Head is of Fox. So bizarre. Isn't that craziness? So bizarre. Uh-huh. Do you think any of them turned her into an art masterpiece too, like the Joker tried to do? Because you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Are you gonna drop Joker quotes in the entire episode? I totally am because I love the Joker quotes. I would say them all the time as a kid because I was weird like that, and I loved the Joker so much. And after watching the movie a few days ago, when when he yells, "This town needs an enema." I know I said that a lot, which obviously I had no idea what an enema was as a kid. Sure. But could you imagine like a four-year-old running around playing Batman in the backyard yelling, this town needs an enema. That was me. I believe it. That was me 100%. So, I mean, what kind of a world do we live in where a man dresses up as a bat? He's taking all my press. All right, I'll stop for right now. That's probably a good idea. But just right now, I'm I'm not done. I got like a page of quotes here. So Jack's set up. <laughs> yeah. So so Jack gets all set up by Boss Grissom. Batman interferes, um, and I guess accidentally drops Jack into into some chemicals, and we assume that Napier's dead. But no, this is what turns him into the Joker. And from there, I mean, Joker's releasing havoc on Gotham. He's trying to poison everyone with uh, different chemicals that's in people's makeup and beauty products and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually Joker's plan is to throw the birthday party himself for Gotham. Yep. Um, he's got these giant balloons, and those balloons end up releasing poison gas Joker into the gas. crowd. Joker gas. So uh, Batman's got to save the day, and that's pretty much what we see going on here. Yep, and then the ending happens. Yeah, which was interesting. Uh, the ending was completely rewritten. Initially, Vicky Vale was supposed to get shot by the Joker, and uh, that would set Batman into some kind of rage, and then eventually kill the Joker. Yeah, but obviously the, the entire ending was rewritten. And they end up in a bell tower. They do, and yeah, I mean, as a kid, I love that ending scene with mm-hmm. the bell tower and climbing up. Batman gets his ass kicked uh, from that one thug of the Joker's. But this also doesn't make any sense now. Like, what are those thugs doing in the church in the first place? Was it Joker's plan the whole time to climb up that that church and get like? Are those people set up ahead of time? It didn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think it made any sense to a lot of people on that set. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't. And then, did you catch like Batman? Does he trip, or does he purposely knock over the pews? To alert Joker, like, I'm here. 
Oh, he's what did hurt. you get from that? He's hurt. Remember, because the plane crashed. Oh, yeah. So the Batwing crashes, so he's trying to get through. Um, he's trying to get up there to them, but he's still hurt, so he's still kind of reeling from the, the plane crash. See, I did not interpret it that way. I interpreted it as a, he's trying to tell Joker, I'm coming, bitch. You better be ready. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. You didn't feel it that no, way? not at all. All right. Fair enough. So let's look through some of our cast here. So first off, we've got Batman. I'm Batman. Yep. Michael Keaton himself. Yep. And obviously Keaton's got a relationship with Tim Burton because he's Beetlejuice. He does. He was not intended to be cast in this movie initially. No, Burton loved the idea of it, but everybody else was not on board. Do you know why Burton liked it? I do not know. Why? All right, so Tim Burton's logic behind this is if you're going to have... You're going to have... So, so typically, superheroes in general have you know square jaws. They're bigger guys. They look like they could be superheroes. Why would somebody put on an intimidating suit if they didn't think they needed to? So he wanted to cast somebody that looked like they needed to dress up like a bat to intimidate people. And since they're going to have a mask on, all of the acting was going to be done basically via the eyes. So they okay. wanted to have somebody who who could who had the eyes for the part. So if you look throughout the entire movie, the way it's lit, yeah, almost every single scene where Michael Keaton is dressed as Batman, the lighting is highlighting his eyes. Like there's just a rectangular light cast on his eyes every sing- in almost every single shot. And that's specifically so that he can you can see see in his eyes the 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 acting the 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 you can see the essence of Batman within his eyes. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, Burton's onto something cuz nobody else felt that way leading up to it. I mean, no. Michael Keaton is he's he's Mr. Mom. He's uh he's a comedic actor yeah. to this point. So again, like we talked about earlier, you know, there's concerns from the fan base that this is going to be '60s Batman all over again. Right. You got Michael Keaton signed up. This is going to be, you know, funny, ha ha, bow, Pam, all that kind of stuff. I don't think Pam was one of those words, was it? I don't know. It probably is. Who knows? They got kind of creative near the end with like Zoink and any, anyway. So there was actually a movement to drop Michael Keaton from this role. Um, Warner Brothers received over 50,000 letters in the mail pleading with them, like, do not do this. Michael Keaton should not be Batman in this movie at all. Um, obviously, they don't listen to him. They, they trust what Burton's got to say here. Mm-hmm. But I don't, in the end, I think Keaton does a great job as Batman. And especially now that we know what happens to the future of Batman, I, I think he, he might be my favorite Batman movie-wise. That, that I don't know. Some people are going to say Christian Bale. I don't feel that way. Yeah, I like I like I like Michael Keaton as Batman. I really yeah. do. It, it, you know that's why that's a lot of the reason. You know Tim Burton had no idea about these letters? No, I did not know that. Yeah, so he wasn't aware. He had no idea. They were filming in um Pinewood Studios in London. In London, yep. Yep. Uh where obviously all the James Bond movies get filmed. Yep. And um so they were away from all of that. He didn't he didn't hear that that kind of so Keaton's not aware of it either, then, huh? They no, they had no idea because over in England it wasn't a big thing. Like yeah. filming a superhero movie, they don't care. Yeah. You know? So, so all that, all that, that uproar that the studio was receiving back in the states, they never received any of that information because there was no internet back then. Yeah, they had no message boards, um, so they had no idea. 
Some other choices for Batman, though, before it becomes Michael Keaton. So I've got here Mel Gibson, yep. Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, which do you think Selleck would be allowed to keep the mustache as Bruce Wayne? Obviously not. Really? Yeah, he couldn't have it. Man, that would have been sad. Couldn't have the mustache under the cowl. He needed it. That'd be a well. He didn't get, he didn't well, get, he didn't get picked anyway. Anyway, Harrison Ford, Dennis Quaid, and speaking of James Bond, I mean Pierce Brosnan. I think Bar- Brosnan would have been pretty good. You can't have a British Batman, Christian Bale. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, we I guess we've heard Christian Bale in other roles, not sounding British. But Pierce Brosnan is like. He is British. You know what I mean? Like, what role has he taken on that he hasn't been British? I mean, I don't know. I don't really know that many Pierce Brosnan roles other than the Bond stuff. Well, he's did some other stuff. I don't know. Mrs. Doubtfire? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. thinking? I was kind of thinking Mrs. Doubtfire. No, Thomas Crown Affair. I mean, he's Remington Steele. That's a British spy, right? Yeah. Leading up to that. Yeah. I, I just, I could not, and again, maybe this is, obviously, GoldenEye isn't until 95. Right. So maybe in 89, when the movie's out. He could have been Batman, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he was riding high. It would have helped. I mean, the movie, I guess, didn't need too much help, but, no. you know, with his popularity. I don't know. That one was the one that really threw me off. I actually feel like Charlie Sheen would have been a solid choice. He kind of has that dark look. And I don't think Sheen would have been, like, goofy I think in the role. Have. You think he would have? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He's got tiger blood, so... Maybe he had some Batman blood in there, too. He probably did. Right? Totally. So then we've got the Joker, right? Jack Napier. I mean, Jack Nicholson himself. Uh, what a fabulous choice. He was the first one cast. Yeah, without a doubt. And if, did you notice in the opening credits, his name is first before Michael Keaton's? Well, that's the thing. It's first for a reason. Yeah. It's in his contract. Is it in the contract? There was a lot of stuff in the contract. Yes, did you read about is. that? I did. Yeah. I'll let you take what's in the contract. You tell uh, me. He had to be off for all of the Laker home games. Yep. Uh, and he <laughs> couldn't work. It was something like he could only work a couple hours a day. A couple hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. You got the, the late 80s Lakers. I wouldn't want to miss a game either if I got courtside seats. You got Magic. You got Worthy. You well, got... It was 88. Yeah. Pistons. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. And yeah. he was uh, sounds like he was a very much a prima donna while he was doing this movie. No, actually because I was listening to well, the, I've got a story, but you go first. I was listening to the commentary on it. Tim Burton said that he was the one that provided all of the energy for the film. Like he um he, he was the the he he kept everybody's spirits uplifted. He he was really the veteran voice there. And kept everybody on task um, and really embraced the role of being the Joker and, and kind of led the way for everyone. You see, and I kind of interpreted that as almost like a power grab. So Burton does mention the first scene that they shoot is when Boss Grissom gets shot by the Joker. Yeah. And we have to remember, like, this is Burton's first action movie. So Burton admits, like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, this was not in my realm of, of directing. And I guess they were going through a lot of takes of this. And Nicholson and it's Jack Palance, is that right? Who plays yeah, Jack Grissom? Balance. Jack Balance. Uh, they start getting pissy with them. Like, look, you're not doing this right. Let me take over. So I guess it does kind of match with what you were saying. I guess my interpretation more was that, like, Jack Nicholson's like, dude, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm a famous guy. This is how I'm going to take it, and you're going to deal with it. And Burton's just kind of like, uh, okay, whatever. I don't no, know. No, that's... That's how I interpreted it. Sounds that, like that may have been the first. It, it, Maybe it, in the beginning of the 
Yeah. Well, he goes on to mention, Tim Burton goes on to mention that he kind of stabilized everything. Okay. Like with all the chaos that was going on with the script being rewritten and all that, he kind of stabilized things and kept things on task. All right. Uh, Nicholson also, when it comes to the money as well, so he got, I believe it was $6 million to play the role of Joker, which at that time, you know, was a lot. But then he demanded part of the box office profits. Yeah. Which the rumored number is insane. So they believe that Nicholson brought in 60 to 90 million bucks. Yeah. To play the Joker. Yeah. That's in insane. one film. 60 one to 90 million. Film. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's 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 power. That's Hollywood yeah. power right there. Yeah, it is. But you know, Nicholson fits the part perfectly. I mean, you think of previous roles he's been in. I mean, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, The Shining. He he plays this crazy, creepy, off-the-wall character all the time. Yeah. I mean, just just a perfect choice, hands down. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of what uh, Burton said he did was he uh, would just turn the camera on and let Jack go. Like, he said that um, Nicholson enjoyed mask acting, so having mm-hmm. the makeup on. And um, and he just he would just let him go. So a lot of the stuff, like the noises the Joker makes. Yeah. So the scene, so the scene with um, in Vicky Vale's apartment where he's leaving and he just kind of goes. <laughs> yeah. All of that is improv. Like he, yeah. he just kind of makes noises and makes them work. And uh, he said he would just do take after take of him doing random things, and it would just it would just fit and work in the movie. Well, as my plastic surgeon always said, if you gotta go, go with a smile. Yeah. Love it. Uh, there were a couple possibilities of Joker. Um, one was Brad Dorif, yep, who is Dorf. Chucky. Um, and I guess he does take on Joker's voice, I believe, um, later on in some of the other Batman adaptations. Yeah, I think he is in some of the movies. Uh, yeah. Some of the so, animated movies. Uh, David Bowie was considered, which that would have been an interesting choice for Batman. But I can see kind of that weirdness fitting yeah. in there. Uh, James Woods, which I feel like would have been way out of place. That would have been weird. That would have been very strange. <laughs> and then Robin Williams, who actually, that that one I could see. What if it was Pierce Brosnan and Robin Williams, and then they all come back together in Mrs. Doubtfire? Weird. Right? That's real weird. Maybe an alternate universe has that. I want to see that movie. Willem Dafoe was also up for that, too. You're right. I, thought, I missed that one. I thought Sorry. Willem Dafoe would have been really good, too. Yeah, he would have been. Was Defoe doing a whole lot at that time, though? I mean, he, Apocalypse Now, right? Wasn't that Defoe? Yeah, he was. He was very much a character actor, not not known for like his you know over the top villain roles. Yeah, some other characters we got in the film. I mean, those two really, I, in my opinion, dominate the movie. But we've yeah. got Kim Basinger being Vicky Vale, who mm-hmm. is the reporter mm-hmm. um, or photographer, I guess. For, She's a photographer, yeah, yeah photojournalist for, for the Gotham News, which I think that's not what it's called. Gotham Gazette. Gotham Gazette. Sure, thank you. We got Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. Yep. Billy D. Williams is Harvey Dent, Lando yep. Calrissian himself. Yep. So apparently there was supposed to be, you know, they thought that if this movie took off, which obviously it did, that they would use Billy D. Williams to be Two-Face, who, who is Harvey Dent, yeah. at a, in a later film. That was the idea. That was the idea. But then Tommy Lee takes over, and apparently Billy D. was pissed. Yeah, he's still not happy about it. Yeah. So I'm, that's really... And then Kim Basinger wasn't the initial pick. Who was she the was, initial pick? Initial pick was Sean Young. She got hurt. Oh, that's right. She got she got into a horseback riding accident, uh, like a couple weeks before shooting started, and they ended up having to cast Kim Basinger, you know, uh, pretty quickly. I mean, she's acceptable. I don't 
I don't really know how much more I need to. S- I want to say about her. Yeah, no, she, she, good she, she does. Yeah, exactly. She yeah. she goes through the motion. She does the part. Yeah, she plays. That's, she plays her role just fine. Yeah. Uh, I guess Burton really loved her though. I mean, Burton likes yeah. liked the way that she she did the scenes and figured yep. everything out. So mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, then we've got Michael Goff, who's Alfred. Yeah. And he's Alfred in all four movies. Yep. Or at least from the the original Batman's that we saw at that time. Uh, we've also got Robert Wool. Robert who Wool is Alexander Knox. He's funny. I like Robert Wool. He's Ugh. a good comedian. You, he, I figured he was the one. You were telling me you hated a character. I couldn't stand Knox uh-huh. throughout this entire movie. And I remember as a kid, he annoyed me. He annoyed me so much more in this movie. He, like, I know he's trying to play that irritating reporter that wants to get the scoop on Batman and all that kind of stuff, but his jokes are awful. He's goofy looking. He is just bothersome. I can't stand him. And the funny thing is, they loved him so much, he was supposed to die in the movie. That would have made this movie a lot better. And instead, they they wrote him more parts. They wrote more for him because they liked him so much. That's the worst. Uh Uh-huh. He should have died. Yeah, he was supposed to die at the gas attack at the parade. Yeah. mm -hmm. Which is also like, so that doesn't make sense either. He he freaking takes out a baseball bat and then covers his mouth to try and fight off Joker's henchmen. Yeah. What the hell are you going to do there? Mm -hmm. You're an idiot. He should have died. I, I I'm happy that Vicky Val like ran him over kind of with the car. I think that's where he was supposed to die. Yeah. No, no, Joker was supposed to kill him. Oh no, just the gas in general. Oh, the gas in general. Yeah. Okay. Which I guess shouldn't he have died? Because in the scene, he doesn't have anything protecting his face anymore. You, I don't know. You'd think. You'd think. A lot of rewrites. Yeah. And then we've got the last one I have here is Tracy Walter, who plays Bob. Yeah. Who is Joker's sidekick? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is actually Jack Nicholson's choice because they're good friends. It's his boy. He's yeah. been in a bunch of Nicholson movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the only thing I have is Kiefer Sutherland was supposed to be Robin yeah, when they had the original Rob, you know, when they had Robin or uh, Grace, Dick Grayson going to be in this film. Yep. So that would have been, I mean, I guess Sutherland would have been really young, so maybe it would have worked. Yeah, it was right, right around. Um, Not really young, but he was young. Young enough. It was right around like Young Guns Yeah. when that came out. Yeah. So there you go on that. So those are our characters. So I've got a question for you. Yes. So this is something that bothered me watching this because it's been a while since I've seen this. I mean, I've, I've known so much about it and I've saw it so many times as a kid. Obviously I keep shouting off these quotes. Um, Nonetheless, this love romance subplot with Vicki Vale and Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I hated it upon watching it this time around. Okay. It doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. And honestly, it makes, I mean, Bruce Wayne already is such a puzzling character. And I don't know, just in a lot of the adaptations of Bruce Wayne, he's always kind of a mystery guy. People love him. People hate him, all this kind of stuff. This made me hate Bruce Wayne. Really? Loving Batman, but Bruce Wayne is a total dick in this movie. How so? All right. So he agrees to this date with Vicki Vale. Okay. Right? They go to the mansion. They're eating their soup or whatever in that, you know, in that big dining room. Doesn't know what the hell's going on. He gets Vicky Vale drunk and then sleeps with her. Okay. Okay. So you've got that going on. Then, you know, Vicky's feeling like maybe something's going on here, right? And, you know, she wants to go out to lunch that next day after they slept together. And he's like, he automatically he starts lying to her. He's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going out of town. I got something going on. 
he gets busted. You know, Vicky's trying to talk to Alfred about, oh, I'll see you when you get back. He's like, he's like, we're not going anywhere. So then she starts stalking him. Like, what kind of love relationship is this? Right, but, but they, they, they go on one date and sleep together. Then he's lying to her. Now you got Vicky stalking him, trying to find out what's going on there. What the hell? This is a toxic relationship. And then throughout the film, they just make it act like there was so much chemistry between the two of them that, that they're so in love together that eventually Alfred like lets her into the Batcave. They went on one date, and now she knows he's Batman? What the hell? I, first off, I'd be like, Alfred, your ass is fired. I don't care that I've known you my whole life. You ain't letting that bitch in my Batcave. She was going to figure out eventually. Okay, eventually. But, I mean, how would you feel if uh, you had that, that huge persona, and then all of a sudden your butler gives it up to that chick? She's a reporter. You really think she's not going to report that? That'd be the biggest story of her career. All Bruce right, Wayne right, is right. Batman? No, I get it, I get it, I get it. You're not, you're not totally wrong. However. However what? You can, I, I'm really curious. You, you can't even think of anything. Because I'm going to give you one other scene that really makes Bruce Wayne douchey. When, when Bruce is deciding that Wait. he is going to tell okay. Vicky Vale what's going on, he goes to the apartment, right? He shows up with two carnations. The richest man in Gotham City can't afford a bouquet of flowers, he shows up with two carnations. What the fuck? Then, she goes off on him, which, deservingly so, she finds out he's been lying to, you know, he's been lying to her and all that. He pushes her, pushes her, and says, for right now, shut up. This sounds like a great romance we got going on here between Vicki Vale and Bruce Wayne. He's like, Physically and verbally abusive to him from one date. All right. Well, when you look at it in the context Uh, of it being one date, all right, I understand. I get it. This really made me upset because I loved this movie. That part as a kid was, but like looking back on it, like what the hell is going on here? Like, why are we making Bruce Wayne such a jackass? He's a jackass. He is a total jackass. He has no idea how to talk to people. Clearly. Yeah. And doesn't know how to hold on to a woman either. He lives alone. Now, do you know, so obviously Kim Basinger doesn't play the part in Batman Returns. Vicky Vale's not in Batman Returns. I know. Is They just didn't want to use her? They just wanted that relationship to be over with? I guess. All right. I thought maybe you knew something about that. No, I, I really don't. I didn't really look into uh, Batman Returns at all. Is Vicky, do you know, because you're, you're more familiar with the Bob Kane comics and all that than I am. Yeah. Is Vicky Vale a character? Yes. Okay. Does she, like, turn into anything? No. No? Okay. Nope. All right, so she wouldn't have been, like, Catwoman or something like no, that, like we saw in Batman Returns. No, no, no. Okay. I, I don't know. I hated, I hated that. Not, not, a, not a fan. What I don't, the, only, the only real issue I had with the movie, and it's not even, it's very nitpicky. Yeah. Why is the bat suit locked up in a vault <laughs> in the bat cave? You know, do you, do you just leave it out? Like it needs to be dry clean for Alfred? Is that? Is, I mean, no, you got to put it somewhere. It's the bat cave. Why does it need to be in a vault? Well, where else are you going to put it? What the bats eat it? It's a so put it in a in a in a in a closet. Doesn't it have to be in a in a gigantic vault. It's the bat suit. You know, in real life, that bat suit cost almost a quarter of a million dollars to make. Uh, I would believe it. 
because they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. Yeah. So they were at first they're like, are we going to like have him with like the underwear looking Batman like in the '60s movie? You know, are we going to have him look like a tough ass? Like, what were, what were they going to do? So through the process and the designing of this costume, they they just couldn't figure it out, and it ended up by the time they figured it out, it ended up costing yeah that much money, and then Michael Keaton couldn't hear. Yeah. In it. Yep. And they actually think that that's what had him develop that deeper voice as Batman because he just he couldn't hear. Yeah. So, which is iconic because then, you know, Christian Bale obviously takes on that voice too. I think he takes it way too far. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. But, yeah. So, that's an expensive ass costume. It isn't. Well, everything in this movie is expensive. So, if it's $250,000, I'm putting it in a vault too. You're going to just have your $250 bat costume sitting in your closet? What the hell? What if someone like breaks into Wayne Manor and takes the bat suit? This is a ridiculous argument you're making. If someone can, you're not get, giving me any real reason why you believe the bat suit shouldn't be locked up. If it's in the bat cave and no one knows where the bat cave is, why bother locking it up? I don't know. Maybe he's afraid Alfred's going to put it on, and take it. Alfred's in charge of cleaning it. He already knows the combination. He's the one who locked the thing in there. Yeah, that's true. There's no reason for it to be locked up. So you're telling me if you had something that was worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you wouldn't lock it up? Yeah, I think you would. Not if I had a bad cave. Yeah, right. Speaking of the bat costume and other things, thoughts on the special effects of this film? How the film looks and everything else? It, well, the Art Deco style that they used, I love it, was hugely influential on everything after everything that came after that. Yeah, and um, really, the only glaring issue I had with the special effects was that last scene where the Joker's falling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's again, that's one of those things where budget and time constraints, they couldn't make it look any better than have time and the money to do it. Um, yeah, it, it was poorly done when he's falling. Yeah. And, uh, the Batmobile, believe it or not, was functional. Like, yeah, it was a Chevy Impala. Yeah. Chevy Impala. And it was almost, it was basically anything you saw it do on screen. It basically did in real life, which that's badass. It is pretty badass. That's the same thing they did with the, uh, with the tumbler in Batman uh, mm-hmm. Begins, that yeah. that that they built from the ground up and is also uh, fully functional. Yeah, I I think the film looks really cool. I mean, yeah, I love it. Holds it's, up. it's got that film noir kind of look to it, mm-hmm. which I believe is what the comics are kind of doing. You got people dressed up in the suits, like the pinstripe suits, and the the smoky environments of the alleyways and all that kind of stuff. Well, that whole that whole um, look was was then incorporated into the comic. Okay. Uh, and then when they created Batman the Animated Series, uh, it was it was a direct reflection of everything they did in that movie. So all of the everything. So Bruce Tim helped create Batman the Animated Series. They took the soundtrack obviously from the movie, and they adopted everything from the movie that they could as far as the style goes, with the you know '40s style cars um, mixed with the technology of the '90s. Uh, and and everything for this movie basically, this one single movie set the standard for everything that came after it as far as Batman goes, and as far as a lot of superhero movies go, and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of everything in the entire superhero genre. There was nothing before this. Yeah, this that's, set all of it. This this started the whole thing. Yeah, that's something I do want to touch on a little bit later when we talk about the overall impact. Yeah. because absolutely, this this movie sets the stage for so much of what we have going on. Um, you, you do bring up a good point when it comes to like the models at the end are really noticeable. 
Yeah. Like the the Joker helicopter, the cathedral. It just looks so fake. And you're right. It does look like it got rushed, which sucks because the movie up to that point is doing well. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's the only scene that obviously looks you know, we're talking about a movie that's almost thirty years old now. Mm-hmm. And I felt like all of the movie really plays up well to in this time frame here in two thousand eighteen, except for that end. It looks like it's it was poorly done and whatever it may be. Yeah, it holds up really well except for the final the final the final little special effect scene. Absolutely. Is there a final scene that we haven't talked about that you got there? I've got one. A favorite scene? Favorite scene. Hmm. I'll let you go first. I was going to say you're taking too long. Yeah. The art museum. I love everything about that scene. That is a good scene. So, I mean, you've got you've got some great lines there from the Joker. Yeah. I'm melting, you know. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. And I love how, like, Joker has his own soundtrack, right? Every time he walks around, yeah. he's, he's got a thug with a boombox playing yep. music behind him. Like, that's how I, I wish my life could be like that. I wish I could have that kind of money in my life that someone would just walk around with music playing behind me. That's awesome. That is a really good scene. I, I, you're right. I don't know yeah. that I can top... You know, he's, he's, he's messing then, with the art. And he's, then Batman he's, comes crashing oh in. Oh, my God. What an awesome scene when he comes crashing down. Yeah, where does he get those wonderful toys? Yeah, so good. So good. Yeah, everything it's, about it's that It's the first experience we see with the Batmobile, too, like it when is. he escapes. Yep. Um, it's just set up so well. And it's so funny. I think, um, oh, what is the quote? I'm trying to think here. Uh, Vicky Vale goes, you're insane. And he goes, I thought I was a Pisces. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just bizarre. You know, just weird-ass things to say, but I love it. You know my Joker toy that I had? Yeah. It also had the flower that would squirt water. Yeah, I I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. So that's definitely my favorite scene. So hands down, I love it. I believe it. All right. So this overall impact in the movie industry. Yeah. You kind of alluded to this a little bit. Sure. Now, you are a little bit older than I am. Yep. So... A question I have for you, is there any sort of connection to those Superman movies and Batman? Because, I mean, the Superman movies, there's four of them, right? With Christopher Reeve? Yes. You got the first one coming out in 78, and yep. even the last one's was like... Was it 78 or was it 77? Eh, one of the two. And even Superman 4, I feel like, is like mid to late 80s. Yeah, it's like 86. So, I mean, was there a progression, or is it that Batman is the start of something new? Like, do you remember it all? Well, with those Superman movies, I can tell you a lot about anything, them. Or I can tell you a lot about them. So the first two movies, the first one was obviously Richard Donner, um, and it was generally well received. Um, it was it was a very good movie. Second movie comes along, again starts as Richard Donner. He gets he, there's creative differences, and then Richard Lester takes over and directs, uh, and then later on Richard Donner goes back in recuts the movie to make it more dramatic and more of a serious tone to it. It basically makes the movie better by recutting it. Okay. Um, Superman 3. Is that the one with Richard Pryor? That's the one with Richard Pryor. Um, It's a horrible movie. It's not great. Uh, That one was all sorts of issues. Uh, Superman 4 was Canon Films. Basically, Golan Globus made this movie with Canon Films, and um, they made it on the cheap. Uh, and it was not very good at all. Uh, and that sort of killed superhero movies. Okay. Um, 
So we're so you're 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 thinking this is just a complete reboot then of superhero movies. They decided to do this Batman movie and they're hoping to start things over again. Yeah, because everything everything kind of died after after Superman 3. I mean Superman 2 was really the beginning of the downfall. Yeah. Um and then Superman 3 came out, and Superman 3 was ter- was not very good. Superman 4 was a, basically a money grab and that actually didn't do very well. So they really needed they really needed to spark everything, and that's why they got. That's why Tim Burton came in. That's why they did all of the. That's why they did this style of movie. It's a darker Batman. Um, they got as far away from the campiness and silliness as they could, uh, and this is really the beginning of what, of what the superhero genre became has become. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, this was, at the time, this was the sixth gro- sixth highest grossing movie of all time. It was the fastest to get to 100 million in history at that time. Yeah. And I think it ended up around 400 million. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, just huge. It was gigantic. And it, and it kind of gave people the idea of what a superhero movie could be. Yeah. And then you get movies like, you know, the X Men after that. And, and even Blade. I mean, Blade was very much influenced by what this movie was. Yeah. And, and even looking at the other Batman movies, I mean, Batman Returns is a huge hit. Yeah, Batman and Robin does start once Tim Burton's out of the picture. They do start to go to that campiness, and things start to get a real mess. I don't really want to talk a whole lot about yeah, Batman and Robin. Joel Schumacher, or it's Batman Forever. Actually, is the third one. Batman and Robin's the fourth one. I Correct. Think. Yeah. So I mean, even though those weren't particularly good movies, they were still huge at their time. Sure. But then you're absolutely right. Like this does set up. I think it sets Marvel up to really want to take a stab at these movies, you know, at their comic book movies. And I, I truly do feel like this this movie is the beginning of this progression in the super in the superhero genre. Yeah. That obviously today is is the movie industry. Yeah, at this point, yeah. I mean it, it really is. So mm-hmm. this movie kind of starts it all. And you can even look back to so many other Batman things too. I mean you got the the Christopher Nolan reboots, which which are so good and so popular among fans. Um, even right after this Batman comes out, you got the Batman animated series, which I watched a ton as a kid. Well, that's another thing you have to look into. There, there's more. So you got Bruce Tim coming in doing the Batman animated series. But what that did was. So Batman, this Batman movie. Kicked off. Batman, the animated series, what Batman, the animated series did was it created all of Warner Brothers animation division. So from this movie, you get Batman the Animated Series, which then spins off into uh, Superman Adventures, mm-hmm. but it also spins off into Animaniacs. It spins off into Pinky and the Brain, um, Tiny Toons, all of those Warner Brothers cartoons that were huge mm-hmm. in the in the nineties are that's all my because right of there. yeah, they're all because of this movie. Yeah, this is the the only reason why those get made are because of this movie. I mean, I'm gonna argue this is one of the few movies that we can say. That has had this big of an impact on the industry. I mean, there's not going to be many more that are this colossal this in is, what it does. I would say without question, this is the biggest superhero movie of all time. Just in impact. Oh. In impact. Just on impact? On impact. Like what I, I would maybe say the first Iron Man with Robert Downey. I mean, what that movie has done with the cinematic universe. But that, I mean, I know that Batman helped bring that back, but sure. I don't I don't know. That's a bold statement, my friend. Yeah, because of of everything that that it's created. I mean, Marvel was, sure, sure, Iron Man. 
Okay, so Iron I would say Iron Man then is 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 a close one B. So one A one B. All right. But they're right. But without Batman, you don't have Iron Man. You don't have you Probably don't have not. the film industry looking at superhero movies. I mean, you end up look at the Punisher that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. You end up with movies like that, lower budget superhero movies. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go ahead and start to wrap this up. Final rating, LPJ. What do you got for this movie? How many machine guns are you giving this guy? Wow, I'm gonna give this. Uh... You haven't thought about this ahead of time. I did, but I'm 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 like now oh, that I'm now that we've talked we're... about it. Interesting. Okay. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it four four machine guns. Okay. It's not a perfect film by any means, um, but it's important enough that it needs it needs to be a four. I originally had a four, and actually I'm gonna I'm gonna knock it down a notch. I'm gonna make it three and a half okay. machine guns. Um, you're right. It there are some flaws in it. Um, it doesn't quite live up to my childhood expectation of the film. Okay. And it is still a great superhero movie, without a doubt. I mean, Batman's badass. You've got the Joker, who is probably my favorite villain in any action movie. Sure. Um, whether it's Heath Ledger or, or Jack Nicholson, whoever it may be. You've got the fun toys and gadgets. We've talked about how it sets up the franchise. And I think that that's maybe why I knocked it down a little bit. Because yeah. as a movie, I still think it's only worth about three and a half stars. Based on its impact, I would maybe give it a little bit higher rating. But sure. as a standalone film, I'm going to have to write it down a little bit lower. I think that, I mean, we, we talked about it. The, the plot's pretty basic. Yep. Um, wishing there's a little bit more. And, and I think also the issue is that when I look back at the Christopher Nolan more recent movies, there's so much more plot structure to those that I think I have a tough time separating between the two in a okay. way okay. that you know he was able to make them a lot deeper, a lot more emotional sure. in terms of their impact and what was going on in those films. And this one was just kind of a fun ride. So that's why I'm giving it the three and a half machine guns. Okay. I agree to disagree. All right. So with that, this last action podcast. Well, before we do that, uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Last Action Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram, Last Action PCast. And uh, also check out uh, GameZilla Media, uh, our other podcasts on the show or on the uh, on the uh, network. We've got uh, we got GameZilla. Yep. GameZilla uh, Alpha. We've got GameZilla Alpha. We've got Legend of Retro, Noobs and Dragons. Noobs All and sorts Dragons. of fun stuff Man, to get you going. If you, you haven't going. listened to Noobs and Dragons yet, you it, need to. It is highly addicting, without a doubt. It is. You want to find out what's going on next and next and next. Yeah. I so. can't. Oh, man. Every week I wish I wish, uh, I wish Chops' character dies. <laughs> Every week I want Lord Alistair Lockwood to, uh, to get decapitated. Well, he's a pretty big dumbass, so. He kind of is. Yeah, which kind of fits who Lord Alistair actually is. Yep. So with that being said, this last action podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back.